From pop culture to politics, this is The Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day when a very important, very worthwhile, very bipartisan bill has uh, just been introduced in the Senate of the United States. It's uh, sponsored, co-sponsored by 16 uh, senators of both parties. It would actually reform the Electoral Count Act and would make our elections vastly safer, more sane, uh, less encrusted in ambiguity and uh, foolishness left over from 1887. It would correct the Electoral Count Act. Uh, Will it go forward and actually win Senate passage? It needs 10 Republican supporters. Uh, They have eight right now. Can they get two more Senate votes and make a difference? Uh, We shall see. President Trump is inadvertently, at least, doing everything he can to help with this. He apparently has, in the last few days, uh, approached a a speaker of a state House of Representatives. No, this is not the one in Arizona who testified against him. This is the speaker in the assembly in Wisconsin, where President Trump had asked him this week— Actually, it was last week, but it was in the month of July. He had asked him last week to overturn the electoral votes in Wisconsin. So the idea that uh, he is sticking to the stop the steal narrative and that there's no reason to doubt for a moment that his number one priority, if he actually won the presidential nomination for the Republican Party, let alone the election, uh, would be to keep going over and picking at the scab of uh, the allegedly stolen 2020 election. A good idea? Well, Jason Riley over at the Wall Street Journal says uh, there's only one way that Joe Biden can be reelected, and that's if uh, Trump is the nominee and he continues to harp on the uh, stole the st- stop the steal stolen election narrative. If you disagree with that, by the way, you can give us a call, 1-800-955-1776. And there's another little flicker of bipartisanship on some issues where 90% of Americans seem to agree. I mean, literally 90%, according to the Gallup poll, We're talking about the Respect for Marriage Act that passed overwhelmingly in the House of Representatives yesterday. It uh, is entitled the Respect for Marriage Act. What it would do would be to codify protections for uh, interracial marriage, which, by the way, no one opposes and no one wants to uh, uh, suddenly revisit the decision from 1967 and allow states to declare miscegenation, which means interracial coupling, to declare miscegenation a crime. I mean, the, the, the approval of this act should be 100%. The other thing it would do is it would recognize the 500,000, and yes, there are, 
official gay marriages in this country and put them uh, beyond the reach of any future Supreme Court decision or any legislative initiative in any state and basically say to a, a gay couple that could very conceivably have been married now for years uh, to say to them that no politicians and political games are not going to take away your marriage. Uh, Nancy Pelosi sort of hailed the passage of this bill. It now has to go to the Senate. And it's the same deal to uh, get uh, passed and uh, then sent to the president's desk to have him sign it. He would sign it enthusiastically. And basically to do something that Republicans wanted, which is why 47 Republican members of the House voted for it, is not to allow the Democrats to play political games with these issues. I, I honestly believe there is no chance, and nobody's bringing this up, that, that everyone talks about how in Clarence Thomas and his concurring opinion in the Dobbs case, the abortion case overruling Roe v. Wade, he mentioned uh, other cases involving the availability of contraceptions and, uh, and, and, and uh, of same-sex marriage. By the way, he did not mention anything about loving versus Virginia. He didn't. That was, was what established the right to marry across racial lines. Why would Clarence Thomas not mention that one? Well, he's involved in a, he has a long-term marriage to Ginny Thomas, who is a different race from him. It's precisely the kind of marriage that would have been prohibited in oh, some 16 states before 1967. In any event, it seems to me good news that this is passing, and I hope that it can pass uh, very much uh, when it comes to the U.S. Senate. But uh, at least when it comes to the U.S. Senate, uh, we won't have to hear, I don't think, Nancy Pelosi exulting over this and zinging a uh, particular three times married former congressman. I think she had Newt Gingrich in mind, who um, uh, was involved with the Defense of Marriage Act, which the Respect for Marriage Act actually would replace here is what Nancy Pelosi had to say. This is clip nine. I rise today in strong support for the, for the Respect for Marriage Act, bipartisan and bicameral legislation to enshrine into law a fundamental freedom, the right to marry whomever you choose. As radical justices and right-wing politicians continue their assault on our basic rights, Democrats believe that the government has no place between you and the person you love. It was 13 years ago, Chairman Nadler, along then Representative, now Senator Tammy Baldwin, Senator Dianne Feinstein, and others introduced a bill by the same name to repeal the Defense of Marriage Act. Defense of Marriage, proposed by somebody who had been married three times. We don't know which marriage he was defending. And today, we will finally achieve that long-held goal. By the way, I don't care how many times somebody's married. I care about how they imp try to impose their hypocrisy on others. Okay. Uh, again, it's, 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 of course, a cheap shot that was used many times. Uh, Newt um, uh, has been married to Callista now for, I, I think it's more than 20 years. 
And uh, uh, yes, he was married twice before. And uh, if if she's speaking about somebody else, and she could be, I mean, you know, Donald Trump just uh, lost wife number one who passed away a couple of days ago, Ivana. Okay, so basically, why does it seem to me uh, a very, very important thing that these bills get passed? Because I don't think there is any real chance, given how overwhelming the support is right now for uh, same-sex marriage, and uh, partially because it's happened. And the idea of actually, ha what are you going to send government agents to break up uh, people who are living a married life, in some cases with children today? And the destructive impact of uh, that kind of initiative, the initiative to revisit either interracial marriage or same-sex marriage, to try to do that today would be a political disaster. And Republicans have every reason to take this off the table and to talk about the real issues that people care about. Powerful arguments that the real issue that has been bothering Americans and oppressing Americans and souring them on our own country has been the price of everything, the price of middle-class life, of housing, of education, of child care, of medical care. So what do we do about it? We'll be getting to that on the Medved Show coming up. Michael Medved show uh, the House passed a bill that would provide federal protection so writes the Wall Street Journal for same-sex and interracial marriage under federal law with Democratic lawmakers saying the recent Supreme Court ruling ending abortion rights could endanger other precedents okay this is misleading and it's the Wall Street Journal and no wonder there are people who are confused Okay, what they say is the recent Supreme Court ruling ending abortion rights, it doesn't end abortion rights. It leaves it to the states to legislate. And the idea that what it says is that the Constitution of the United States does not include any guarantees about a right to abortion, that's... The, the truth they're not they didn't erase something that was in the Constitution there's nothing there about abortion rights and to say that they end abortion rights is saying to all the people in Washington State and in New York and in California and in New Jersey and in Massachusetts and in Vermont and and in many many states across the country that have abortion quote rights that go beyond Roe, that uh, because Roe ends the quote right to abortion ends at the time of viability, and the fact that uh, they're going to be talking about this in state after state uh, is it should be very very clear to people that the court did not put an end to um, 
to the right to abortion. Now, the the idea that uh, the court is about to uh, go ahead and now imperil people who are in interracial marriage, like, by the way, two justices of the Supreme Court, because Katanji Brown Jackson is married to a white guy, white uh, pediatric surgeon. Sounds like a good guy. And uh, I know, how can he be a good guy if he's a white guy? Well, he, he sounds like a, a very decent guy, church-going family, etc. And, okay, that's the latest justice on the Supreme Court. She's black, he's white, and then we have a situation with Clarence Thomas. And the court is not about to make a decision invalidating those marriages or invalidating anyone's marriage or stepping in the way of any interracial couple that wants to marry. And what this is is just scare tactics that are being used by the Democrats. And bravo, bravo, bravo for the 47 Republicans who voted for this Respect for Marriage bill to take this issue away, to take it off the table. Because this is an issue where the American people have moved on. They have. Anybody here think it would be a great idea to go after Pete Buttigieg? I mean, after all, he is, uh, he is married to a guy, a chasten, and uh, they have twin children. I don't remember if they're identical twins, if, it's, if they're both. I think they, are, they might both be little girls, but I'm not sure. But they have twins! Anybody want to to initiate legal proceedings to invalidate Pete Buttigieg's marriage and to take the children away from them? I, I mean, American people are not crazy. Uh, at least most of us, I think. Uh, speaking of crazy, here is uh, leader Chuck Schumer uh, celebrating the passage of the Respect for Marriage Act in the House and uh, indicating that he will try to bring it to the floor of the Senate as soon as he can. This is clip 18. Talking to Republicans to see where the support is. I want to bring this bill to the floor, and we're working to get the necessary Senate Republican support to ensure it would pass. Okay, it did pass in the House 267 to 157. There were seven Republican members of the House who did not vote, who either abstained or they weren't evil, able to make the vote. And uh, there were 47 Republicans who joined the Democrats in supporting the measure, including members of Republican leadership. Uh, Elise Stefanik, who uh, replaced Liz Cheney as number three in the House leadership, she voted for the bill. Lee Zeldin congressman from New York who is running for governor of New York uh, and has an uphill fight, but he's running for governor. He voted for the bill. Burgess Owens, the very conservative new member of Congress from Utah, former professional football player, he voted for the bill. Uh, Dan Newhouse here in the state of Washington, who is facing uh, some radical primary challengers because he voted uh, yes on the impeachment of Trump. He voted for the bill. Daryl Issa of California, one of the most conservative members of the Congress, voted for the bill. 
And uh, we could go on here because 47, it's a lot of Republicans who voted for it. And it, it seems to me that is a, a, a very positive thing. Steve Scalise and uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy, the two leaders of the GOP in uh, the House of Representatives, both voted against the bill, but they pointedly said that uh, Republicans should feel free to vote their conscience, and they did. In other words, they didn't put any pressure on to try to have a united Republican front. One of the people who opposed the bill spoke well on the floor of the House is Mike Johnson, Republican of Louisiana. He said that uh, Democrats proposed the legislation so they could run ads in an election cycle. This bill is just another superfluous exercise. This bill is completely unnecessary, he said on the House floor. I think in a practical sense, he's right. It is unnecessary. Nobody was going to be taking away these rights. And one of the things that no one ever talks about, and it's out there and it's glaring and it's so, it's so public, is people look at the concurring opinion in the Dobbs case that was written by Clarence Thomas, where he mentions we may have to look again. And he mentions the Lawrence case, the Lawrence case declared that people had a right in private for consenting adults to engage in gay sex. And uh, he said, we may have to look at that again. We may have to look at the Obergefell case that guaranteed gay marriage. He uh, said, we may have to look at um, uh, the Griswold versus Connecticut case, which uh, guaranteed a right to contraception. Okay, this bill guarantees in federal law a right to contraception. And by the way, that part is supported by most of the pro-life people and organizations out there. Why? Because the best way, the quickest way, the, the most painless way to bring down the number of abortions to save babies, which is what the pro-life movement is about, is to make some kinds of birth control more widely available which is actually something that, uh, that we've done in the United States and why the abortion rate has gone down. Uh, we will talk more about this other very significant bill with profound changes in the way we elect a president. It deserves attention. We'll get to that coming up on The Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, one very important reminder from uh, the Wall Street Journal and from a piece by Eliza Collins. Uh, she points out that with everybody talking about the threat of the Supreme Court and, oh my goodness, they're going to take our rights away, and next they're going to take away the right for same-sex marriage, and they're going to take away the right for interracial marriage, and they're going to take away the right, the right to contraception. Uh, the journal points out that Justice Brett Kavanaugh, another member of the court's conservative majority, another Trump appointment, by the way, and an excellent appointment, uh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh wrote a concurring opinion, just like Clarence Thomas did, but it was very different because his concurring opinion said that, quote, overruling the right to abortion does not threaten or cast doubt 
on those precedents, referring to cases that recognize the constitutional right of interracial and same-sex couples to marry and of people to access birth control. They've separated birth control into a separate bill. They didn't include that in the Respect for Marriage bill. But uh, the idea, uh, ha have you ever met anyone who believes that that uh, the contraception should be illegal? I mean, I can understand, uh, and I think there are some states where this is the case, where you uh, access to contraceptives is limited to people over 18. Uh, there might even be some states where it's limited to people over 21, but I'm not even sure of that. I, I, once upon a time, that was the case. And yes, I know, I know, I know, people are going to say, yeah, but the Catholic Church is opposed to contraception. First of all, that's wildly overstated and, and misunderstood. Uh, the official position of the Church is not pro-contraception. But uh, there's a recognition that the people who are in the pews, in the parishes, uh, there are many, many people who do use contraceptives. And the, the idea of Catholic organizations lobbying for a change in the law that would allow people to be denied the right to sell or prescribe contraceptive aid it's it's not conceivable but uh, now that's going to be part of the law coming up and uh, because they are going to be introducing a separate bill on contraception now what is all this uh, concern it uh, the uh, GOP whip uh, Steve Scalise yesterday said he expected his caucus, the Republicans in the uh, House, to be split on the marriage bill, and he indicated party leaders would not pressure members to vote a particular way on the legislation, even though the big majority of Republicans voted no. Why did they vote no? Because that can't get them into any trouble. Nobody's going to be angry at them about that at home, because that seems to be the... Um, uh, Republican position, which is, I think, a shame if it's mistaken to be that. And uh, it's going to pass anyway. And they knew it was going to pass anyway because 47 Republicans voted for it. The uh, Gallup Public Opinion polls, uh, reports the Wall Street Journal, show interracial marriage and access to contraceptives backed by more than nine in ten Americans and same-sex marriage supported by well over two-thirds of the country. The uh, Respect for Marriage Act, if uh, passed by the Senate, would codify into law the ability for same-sex and interracial couples to get married and to require states to recognize the marriage. It would also repeal the 1996 Defense of Marriage Act, by the way, which was supported by Bill and Hillary Clinton, which defines marriage as between a man and a woman, that law isn't enforced following Supreme Court decisions, but remains on the books. Uh, look, having something on the books that isn't enforced, that doesn't uh, have legal validity right now, it's probably a good thing to take it off the books and to move in that direction. And speaking about changes in laws, 
there is a, uh, a breaking news today because they just released the bill. I mentioned this briefly yesterday because there was a powerful editorial in the Wall Street Journal by uh, Jimmy Carter. Yes, Jimmy Carter in the Wall Street Journal. And Jim Baker, Jim Baker, former Secretary of State of the United States, and, uh, and, and also former Chief of Staff to Ronald Reagan. And they wrote a joint article about the Electoral Account Act. And now the news story from the Washington Post, uh, they headline, Trump wanted Pence to reject votes for Biden. A new bill would prevent that. Now, that's a misleading headline. It makes it sound like, oh, yeah, they have a new bill that says that Trump can't uh, ask Pence to reject votes for, but no, it doesn't say that's, that's not it. The proposed bill titled the Electoral Count Reform and Presidential Transition Act states that the role of the vice president in counting electoral votes is purely ceremonial, which is the way it's always been understood by everybody, including Vice President Pence, to his infinite credit, and uh, all of his legal advisors and every other legal scholar in the world. Nobody believes that the vice president was empowered by the Electoral Count Act of 1887 to actually choose which slate of electors he, he was going to uh, certify because the certification of the electors actually has already taken place. It took place on December 18th. Okay, the legislation, which comes after months of negotiations, would attempt to more clearly define the role of states, presidential electors, and the vice president in a presidential election in an effort to prevent the events of January 6, 2021 in the future. Does that sound like a good thing? certainly does to me, or gee, it would deny us all the, the great fun of seeing 150 police officers injured and hospitalized and destruction of parts of the federal capital. A bipartisan group of 16 senators released the legislation that would clarify an 1887 law that President Donald Trump and his allies tried to use as part of their attempt to overturn the 2020 election results. Trump uh, pressured Vice President Mike Pence to reject votes for Joe Biden from certain states by recognizing informal, unofficial slates of electors for Trump instead. But Pence disagreed that he had the legal authority to do so and worked to certify Biden as the winner of the election. The new proposal, spearheaded by Senators Susan Collins, Republican of Maine, and Joe Manchin, uh, the third, Democrat of West Virginia, also would make it more difficult for Congress to raise an objection to state results in a presidential election. The 19th century law allows one House member and one senator from the same state to raise an objection to the electoral votes in that state. The proposal raises the objection threshold to one-fifth. You'd need to get one-fifth of the House members and uh, a total of the House and Senate members from that state uh, at, at getting at least one-fifth to have the objection even considered. It doesn't mean that, the, the, that uh, if you get one-fifth that the objection is dispositive. Uh, they go on. The uh, bill also clarifies how a presidential candidate can raise concerns about a state's election by creating a three-judge panel with an expedited path to the Supreme Court, an issue that the senators struggled to come to agreement on. 
in uh, a separate piece of legislation, the senators are attempting to deter violence against poll workers by doubling the fines for people who intimidate or threaten election workers. It also attempts to clarify how the Postal Service handles election mail. To the chagrin of many on the left, the senators did not delve into issues such as voter access. This is just a good, clean bill to clean up a terrible mistake and series of mistakes that were made between 1876 and 1887. We'll get to it and more coming up on The Medved Show. On The Michael Medved Show, there is important news from abroad. Uh, over on the other side of the pond, they have uh, narrowed the fight for a new prime minister, a new Tory leader, because there's such a an overwhelming majority in the House of Commons of Conservative Party members who were elected in the last landslide that Boris Johnson won. When they select his replacement, which uh, is expected in a matter of days now, uh, they have narrowed it down to two people. The two people are uh, Rishi Sunak, who is a former chancellor of the Exchequer. He um, he is considered to be playing more toward the center of the Tory party, while Liz Truss, the former foreign secretary, uh, is um, someone who is appealing to the legacy of Margaret Thatcher. She would be Britain's third female prime minister. By the way, all of them conservatives. That's right. Yeah, the Conservative Party has put forward Margaret Thatcher and Theresa May and now Liz Truss, who is widely pre pre predicted to to win, uh, and, and partially because she, uh, at least according to some of the material out of the Times of London and elsewhere, is better able to connect with some of those working-class voters that Boris Johnson won over for the Conservative Party um, with his support of uh, Brexit. And she can do that even though at the time of the Brexit fight, she was a Remainer. And Rishi Sunak, the problem with Rishi Sunak is he's married to uh, a daughter of one of the richest people in the world and one of the richest people in India. And... Uh, he, uh, at least according to his critics, cannot understand how the normal, average uh, Britain functions or lives his or her life. So that will be interesting to see. We also have, visiting in the United States, the first lady of Ukraine, who uh, seems, despite the fact that her English is not great, but she is making a very warm impression. She certainly has been extraordinarily um, eloquent speaking to Congress today. And uh, she, um, uh, this is part of what Olena Zelenska had to say. Zelenska is the feminine way of saying uh, Zelensky, right? Uh, she's married to, as you, everybody knows, Volodymyr Zelensky. Here she is speaking to the Congress of the United States, clip 16. 
Usually, the wives of presidents are exclusively engaged in peaceful affairs, education, human rights, equality, uh, accessibility, and maybe you expected from me to speak on those topics, but how can I talk about them when an unprovoked, uh, unprovoked invasive terrorist war is being waged against my country? Russia is destroying our people. Okay, nobody could question that. And uh, it's an emotional speech, and she was emotional. Uh, she went on to talk about what Russia has done since the beginning of the war, clip 17. Since the beginning of the war, war Russia has launched over 3,000 different cruise missiles on Ukraine. But to destroy somebody's family, you don't need a missile. Maybe a shrapnel will do it. And uh, then this is actually something to be remembered, actually written down on stone somewhere, it seems to me. And uh, good luck to the translator in getting the full force of it, uh, which is important for Americans to absorb and hear. This is clip 15. While Russia kills, America saves. And you should know about it. We thank you for that. But, unfortunately, the war is not over. The terror continues. And I appeal to all of you on behalf of those who were killed, on behalf of those people who lost their arms and legs, on behalf of those who are still alive and well, and those who wait for their families to come back from the front. I'm asking for something uh, now I would never want to ask. I'm asking for weapons. weapons that would not be used to wage a war on somebody else's land, but to protect one's home and the right to wake up alive in that home. Uh, look, this is, uh, even with the language difficulty, this is powerful and it's important, especially uh, given uh, the reports from uh, a national security spokesman, John Kirby, spoke about they now are anticipating Putin's next move. Uh, this is clip five. The Russian government is reviewing detailed plans to purportedly annex a number of regions in Ukraine, including Kherson, Zavritsia, all of Donetsk and Luhansk oblasts. This is out of the playbook, and we've seen them do it in the past. Uh, it, but what we're seeing now is a, a more concerted um, uh, more strategic effort. And I, I think that's really about as far as I can go. Uh, and look, fortunately, it appears that we are going to have a, another leader. The, um, the final decision will be September 5th uh, in, in terms of the, because there are 100, I'm talking about the final decision for the next prime minister of Britain, the new Prime Minister of Britain, some 180,000 Conservative Party members will be asked to vote. Uh, that's the way they do it. They have had the members of Parliament narrow it down to these two, to, uh, to Liz Truss, who is considered at the moment the favorite, uh, versus Rishi Sunak. And um, she, uh, if Truss wins, she could become 
Britain's third female prime minister, trusses posed in a British army tank in Eastern Europe, evoking an image of Thatcher during the Cold War. In a televised leadership debate this week, Britain's top diplomat, that's Liz Truss, sported a, you'll pardon me, a pussy bow blouse. I, I don't have any idea what a pussy blow a pussy bow blouse is. But they they say over at ABC News it was eerily similar to one the late Prime Minister, Margaret Thatcher, used to wear. Uh, Truss, 46 years old, is a favorite among many conservatives who revere Thatcher above all other leaders, and with good reason. It was certainly one of the great leaders of the 20th century. As Foreign Secretary, Truss has been front and center in Britain's support for Ukraine and Western sanctions against Russia over the invasion of its neighbor. She also has uh, figured prominently in the UK's feud with the European Union over post, uh, post-Brexit trade arrangements. And the problem uh, for, <laughs> for her opponent in, in all of this is that uh, Rishi Sunak uh, doesn't seem like a Brexiteer, even though he was one. Uh, Tim Bale, professor of politics at Queen Mary University of London, says the fact that Eurosceptics adore Truss while suspecting Sunak of pro-EU views, despite the fact that he backed leave in the referendum, shows the importance of image over substance in politics. And this is what I love here, is his image doesn't fit that of a Brexiteer, whereas hers does, Bale said. There's a kind of presumption that if you're a bit of a smoothie chops, have you ever heard that term before? Well, if you're a bit of a smoothie chops who moves easily in international circles, you must be a remainer. And if you're someone who tells it like it is to Johnny Foreigner, well, then you're obviously a true Brexiteer. Uh, good luck to Liz Truss, who... Uh, uh, would, would probably at age 46 offer a, a somewhat uh, striking contrast to Joe Biden. There's certainly also on economic issue uh, issues because one of the problems with uh, Joe Biden and with Democrats in general is the belief that millionaires and billionaires are the enemy, that uh, rich people actually make life worse for everybody else. And right now, especially with the information about what people are really going through and the long-term impact of high prices for things that people need, like health care and education and child care and housing, uh, with all of that, how can they continue selling the idea that you're going to do better with any of that by getting rid of billionaires and millionaires in your state? Stephen Moore, one-time economic advisor to President Trump, has uh, something to say on that, and it's passionate and important, coming right up in this greatest nation on God's green earth.